The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. This is the Mazodcast. Well, howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my uh, longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, we're coming to you uh, a couple days, I guess, from the football game, but Mizzou played Georgia and Athens this weekend, and turns out they they dropped this one, Colin. They lost 43-6. to an outcome I think we all pretty much expected. Yeah, they uh, they took their lickings, but at least through the first half, they were given a better effort than they had the last several weeks. The defense, and especially, I mean, was holding their own, the defensive line particularly. Now, they were basically stacking the box and, and attacking all the time and, and leaving uh, the secondary sort of out on the island, but it was working. And they the uh, Georgia had trouble getting the running game going initially. They, their defense, you know, despite the, this, what the score would indicate, the defense clearly played better than it had. Well, and I think I mentioned to you, Colin, on game day there, the game versus Vanderbilt, which we won, we did nothing but bitch about. And this game, which we got absolutely trounced uh, by nearly 40 points. And we're going to talk positively about this team. <laughs> despite the, the score, it's, it's the first time I felt positive about anything yeah. lately. I mean, it, other than Tyler Beatty, listen, it wasn't all good, but. Georgia had their troubles with this initially, and it was 
more inspiring than I've seen. You know, Abrams Drain, I think, is a guy who we're really going to like as we go along. I've mentioned him before, and I think part of the reason he gets brought up so often is because he's the guy who's having to cover whoever we're playing's best receiver. And he's the only guy I see in our secondary who can really play press coverage and then have enough speed to recover uh, if they put a double move on him or something. I mean, like, he is, to me, the best corner we've got. And here are signs for optimism from him. I mean, a couple of the catches that Georgia had to make, they literally made it with him or another Mizzou player literally draped on them. You just saw five-star talent, you know, basically on displays. But the point was, Mizzou was where they were supposed to be. And they were blanketing people. And yes, Georgia was making five-star plays. This is all sort of predicated on the first half. I mean, it just slowly deteriorated and kind of turned into what we expect. But the quarterbacks, neither one, just really were very impressive. Macon's exciting if, if you can teach him to throw the football. I mean, like he's got mobility that was, is going to give a lot of defense fits. Both quarterbacks, I felt like, were a little bit more mobile than what we've been accustomed to, of course, with Connor Basil. For sure. And, you know, obviously the offense didn't have, I mean, we scored six points on the day. And the fact that we're looking at positives and feeling upbeat on a game where we were, you know, 43 to six, you know, in a lot of years. I, I mean, I don't really remember being like 39, 40 point underdogs to a conference foe in any year. This is a bad, bad fucking historically bad year, particularly with defense. But there were positives. Now, the offense, I, they get a pass. Man, their, their starting quarterback was out. Georgia is by far and away the number one defense in the nation. And Colin, you mentioned to me after watching the game, you said, you know, Georgia's number one in the country, but it's because of their defense. Their offense is fine. They're fine, but their defense is other world. It's fine. They had a fine offense. You know what? But in their offense is fine. Fine. I think it's fine. <laughs> but That's, yeah, they're, de- they're, they're what makes them competitive for the for the national championship is their defense. I don't know. I I'm I was a little more optimistic after watching that game, but. It's still some of the problems the you know, we still cut our throats with penalties, you know, and we still are making, you know, some very unfundamental mistakes, stuff that worries you worry about the coaching. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I definitely believe in Drinkwitz as a recruiter, and I think I believe in him as an offensive play caller, despite some frustrations on that end. You know, Mike, he's definitely an offensive coordinator and he is uh, definitely a recruiter. I'm just not sure he's definitely a head coach. I want him to be, and I think he will be. But the stuff I'm seeing right now, basically the discipline stuff, you know, the the polish. I mean, it's not there. This team is sloppy and sometimes underprepared, it would seem. Well, I think you're right in that uh, you can look at the penalties and the discipline issues as cause for concern. I think he's definitely like the Pollyannas are definitely right to give him a pass with maybe the lack of creativity on the offensive front, I think, because he's aware that he lacks personnel. You know what I mean? He, he knows mm. there's, well, there's certain plays that he can't rely on right now because he doesn't have the pieces in place to make it work. And I hope, I'm hoping, because this may not be true, I'm hoping that once he gets some Ferraris in the garage like Luther Burden, that uh, it opens up the offense a little bit because now you've got options. Now, you know, like you said. Well, and don't be wrong. I'm not saying he is a, a, a great play caller necessarily, but he's an offense coordinator. I, th- I, I do think he's – I think his offense is a lateral offense. And, and I, I reason I say that is based on some of the stuff I've read. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I've softened on my offensive stance because gunning it down the field really wasn't his – you know, forte. I mean, he was an offensive guru, but his offense is a more of a, a screen game sort of thing than I realized, I guess, if I'm, if I believe the, what I read. So, but again, like I said, I just don't know if he's a head coach and 
I after last year I would have said, yeah, he's definitely a head coach. But after this year and the the sort of decline we've had and the the lack of discipline and the lack of um, focus by the team, that is concerning. And you know, I think that it, it that bears out when you start to look at Twitter and uh, when these when the press box super friends say, hey, send us questions. You know, there's always a couple questions in there about what's this locker room like. Meanwhile, back with the press box super friends. You know, what's going on in the locker room? Because everybody just can see that this team is sort of a, a bit of a mess. I've seen press box super fans refer to this very thing you're talking about and say that don't be too concerned by the fact that there might be locker room troubles. Because if you've got a team that's struggling like the Tigers are struggling this year and they don't have locker room strife, that's a concern of its own. You know, if, if a team is sure. okay with the way this season is going, if it's mm-hmm. not causing fractures, then you got a team that doesn't give a fuck, you know? And well, I'll tell you this. I mean, it's Chad Bailey and, um, and blaze Aldridge are finding themselves on the field together some, but you know, it, whoever plays behind blaze should be pissed off. I would be, <laughs> you know, that guy is a fucking, dis- I mean, and they just keep running them out there to get swallowed whole by blocks. I think, you know, he gets blown up out of the hole because he's too fucking small. You know what I mean? Like, listen, the guy has got talent. I can see it. He's fast and he, he seems to have a nose for the football. The fact is he just can't play at this level. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, I think the movie Rudy did a huge, huge disservice to America. And it made people believe that having a big heart mattered. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, fuck that heart shit. Yeah, no, I mean, That's I would talent. much rather have a guy that you can't get a tape measure around because you run out of tape around his chest than a guy with a huge heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That huge heart does not make up for the lack of talent. You know? yeah, I get you. <laughs> and like I said, I, it's, I hate to be too hard on any one particular player, but they put him in that position. Like, what is he doing out there? Like, are we that depleted at linebacker or I think we what are. is going on? Yeah, I think we you are. Know? But that could create some locker and strife. If you're the guy playing behind him, <laughs> Like, what the fuck did I, what do I got to do? It does seem like Rice maybe sold us a bill of goods. He's been disappointing, you know, and it started out hot because he wouldn't have some sacks against Central Michigan or something. But uh, yeah. When an offensive lineman, basically anybody gets a glove on him, like he is demolished from the play. Mm -hmm. Like he is just a, 
he's a guy who's too small. And the minute the offensive lineman gets his hands on, he has swallowed whole. I was going to ask you, Colin, you know, Brady Cook had, uh, he was 14 for 19 on the day with 78 yards. Tyler Macon, six for 13 for 74 yards. That's passing anyway. Um, Macon added another 42 yards on the ground. Cook added 32. Very even numbers for the two quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Cook had a slightly higher quarterback rating because he had a, um, a, a much better completion rate. But overall, I didn't see one quarterback over the other stand out. I mean, I think we talked about how Dave Matter had been getting dragged on Twitter because he'd been talking shit about Tyler Macon's abilities and the fact that Cook was the clear number two. But to this point, I don't see anybody grabbing that number two spot. We don't know how long. I assume Connor Bazelak's going to be back for the South Carolina game, but we don't know that. I mean, did you prefer one or the other when you saw them out on the field? Brennan, they both played fine. Fine? They played fine. They were fine. Yeah. Well, Macon was fine. And I i mean, if I had to describe anything for Cook, I'd, I'd say he was fine. They were both fine. Okay. I, I don't really have a preference. I, Macon is fast enough that if you gave his speed to Cook, you'd have a, something special. And Cook throws the ball well enough that you could give his arm to Macon, you'd have something special. But <laughs> I think between the two of them, you've got a big wet fart. <laughs> Ultimately. You know well, you've you got mean? half you've a got quarterback. A what you have got is a couple of backups. Yeah. Is what it looks like. You know what I mean? Neither one of them did anything that me think go, yeah, these, one of these guys is definitely going to, I mean, really, the, if I was betting on one of them, I'd say Macon just because, you know, especially in the college game, that, that mobility just makes, it's a pain in the balls for, in college. I mean, Johnny Manziel lived off of it. I mean, I'd give the edge to him, but I think after watching that game, and then like I said, this is a, this is a hot take because I've only seen him play that one game, but Sam Horn can't get here fast enough. <laughs> well, Basilak's problem is he's become a fucking statue back there. And I think, like I said, I think it's because of injuries, but I can't discount the fact that he also maybe has just started to see ghosts. I mean, he wasn't so stationary last mm-hmm. year and that really hurts him because he does everything fine but he doesn't do anything exceptionally well and if you take away the running game altogether and he doesn't do that fine anymore then he becomes a very predictable quarterback and like you said Drinkwitz seems to have more of a lateral style of offense where a tight end is used almost exclusively for blocking and it's a lot of screen passes and stuff and if you don't just the threat like you said making possibly just taking off and breaking a play and just completely causing havoc for a defense Basilak does not offer that right now, and and it would be nice to have a quarterback and who people feared a little bit. And you know, people were saying Connor Basilak's number twelve quarterback in the conference, and we scoffed at that early on. And now we see it, and I think you're right. You look at it, you see it, and you think, yeah, I guess that's probably about right. I still think Basilak is probably is, is a better quarterback than he's been um, these last few weeks. I think injuries probably have played a role in it. And I'd be honest, like. Uh, you know, after watching these two other quarterbacks play, I'm not convinced Bazelak still doesn't give you the best chance to win. Ultimately, I think he's a better thrower of the football than either one of these guys look to be. My only real trepidation to that is Macon's ability to run. You know what I mean? And if he can throw the football at all, like he he adds a danger, dangerous dynamic that Bazelak certainly doesn't. But that's what I kind of what I'm saying ultimately is that of our three quarterbacks, none of them right now excite me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I. I don't think any of them are particularly bad, but I just don't know if any of them are particularly good. I hope Bazelak would be, and it's it's not fair to say that about Macon or Cook right now, but just, you know, my 
one game scouting report is don't get your hopes up about either one of these guys, honestly. You know, Gary Pinkle was famous for saying that the the fans' favorite player is always the backup quarterback, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, that's always the next great hope is whoever's not playing yet. But in this case, I, I agree with you. I don't. I think we've seen enough of these guys. And of course, I wouldn't say we've seen enough. I take that back because we saw them against the number one defense in the country. And the teams we're facing now, while they look like they're good enough to beat this Missouri team, they're all deeply flawed. We've seen that with Arkansas, well, and we've I'm seen that with Florida, and we've seen that with South Carolina, but we just have so much going against us right now that even those three teams, which in a normal year would be very, very beatable, you know, you just can't count on. Maybe I should preface it all that by saying these guys were having to play the best defense in the country. Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? So neither one of them being, I guess, overwhelmingly impressive, if probably forgivable. You know, I would say about my analysis, it's fine. It's not great. It's fine. It's fine. It seems um, fine. It, I'm realizing now that maybe I'm I'm just giving you stuff that's fine. Yeah, your so analysis maybe, is you know, fine. If Basil Hack doesn't get the start against South Carolina, if he's still injured, that might go a long way to telling us what we've got. You know what I mean? Because South Carolina certainly doesn't have the number one defense. You know, so you would hope that if these guys have been through it in Georgia, that maybe they could really show you something against a team like South Carolina. So I'll hold my judgment. Maybe I was too harsh, but uh, yeah, well, I, it's all fine. <laughs> it's fine. You know, you look down at that schedule, Colin, and Florida is as big a dumpster fire right now as they've been all year long. Dan Mullen is in a very hot seat all of a sudden. And Arkansas, which started It's out, almost like hiring a crazy person to run your program is a bad idea. <laughs> well, they've never learned their lesson. And Arkansas is coming down from their high, starting out the season pretty hot. And then I think they're on a string of three or four losses. I think they snuck away with a win this weekend. But, you know, they're proven to be beatable. I, I think Dan Mullen is very quickly becoming lame duck after losing to South Carolina, and I just hope by the time Mizzou plays Florida, they've just completely given up. They're getting there. Uh, I think they're getting there. Mullins is – he's a fucking turd. When they hired him, it made me a little bit scared for the Tigers, honestly. You know, I was <laughs> like, I think he's a pretty good, decent coach. I mean, I knew he was a world-class jackass, yeah. but a lot of coaches are. You know what I mean? They're sort of arrogant douchebags, but if they know how to get the job done, they know how to get the job done. That was kind of my concern with Mullins. Like, I think he might know how to run a program despite being a incredibly huge douchebag. Yeah. But I was wrong. He's just pretty much a douchebag. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I talk about Sam Pittman having a shtick and, and, and being, and feeling confident that at some point the shtick will wear out. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if I, maybe I, I had fallen for the Dan Mullen shtick, you know, maybe, maybe what he's bringing to the table is nothing more than a bunch of fucking hot air. Uh, Cause Florida looks awful. And it's crazy to me that they fall down so fast and, you know, being at Florida, they're talking about being in Florida and at Florida. Have been not doing a good job recruiting. I feel like you can sleepwalk and recruit at Florida. That's what gets me, Colin, is Florida. For as bad as we feel, for as bad as Mizzou has been this year, for the fact that we lost by 37 points to Georgia and we feel pretty good about it, Florida has the same fucking record as us. The Florida Gators, which have every resource in the world that Mizzou could only dream of having. And Dan Mullen has coached this team to a four and five fucking record. Hey, Brittany, you know what? Jay Boy told us that yeah. Florida was going to suck tits, and it, and they uh they do. Yeah, we owe him uh, an apology there. He's right on the money. <sighs> we should tweet that at him. We should, we should. Yeah, we had him on before the season, and he gave us some bold predictions. He did not look at our Missouri Tigers with much optimism, and that proved to be true as well. It turns out, but 
Yeah, yeah it's, he, he thought Bazelak was going to be better than he is. I'm sure of that. Well, yeah, he's, he's he hired him with an NIL contract. I think. I wonder if he wants that money back. Yeah, I think he gave him a blockbuster video card. It was kind of strange. I thought it was like, man, I gosh knows I love our Tigers and I, you know, I'm high on Bazelak. But I tell you what, as radio personalities, I'm not sure Bazelak is the way <laughs> way I would have went. <laughs> well, any athlete's personality is usually, uh, I don't know. Let's just put it this way. Tim Tebow has the most electric personality. He's made for TV, yeah. I guess. And that's Well, I'll Tim tell you Tebow. what, Bazelak ain't got any, any of that kind of charisma. <laughs> no, it doesn't. He does not. It, the game itself, I mean, I'd never heard so little buzz. We got very few voicemails. I mean, I think people dutifully watched this game knowing how it was going to be with a sliver of hope. I think ESPN gave us a 2% chance of winning the game and that seemed generous. It turned out exactly like we expected it to. And we've just got to trudge through the rest of this season and hope that the recruits come through for the remainder of the off season. Something else. I I think our biggest problem right now, anyways, um, for as bad as the defensive have been, I think ultimately uh, this team might, I mean, it's not his biggest problem. The defense is the biggest problem. But second is the offensive line. I mean, the more I watch, the more I'm convinced that it's going to be hard for any quarterback or, or a Drinkowitz to sort of um, do a whole lot on offense. I mean, I just don't feel like the offensive line holds up at all. That's a shame. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, well, it's depressing the digger, deeper you dig into this mess. Yeah, but I will say this, and I'm trying to look at the glass half full because it's not a position I usually find myself in. I feel like, and we've seen in the past, that one or two strong players in any unit can rebuild the unit almost entirely. You know, one excellent offensive lineman can make the job easier for the other mediocre linemen on either side of them. You know, it's, it works the same way on the defensive line or even amongst the linebacker core. One star standout player can – I feel like a standout linebacker on defense can basically make a defense. You know, they can strengthen the secondary. They can strengthen the line of scrimmage. They can do it all. You know, it doesn't take but a couple key pieces. And the strength of the recruiting we have been seeing makes me hopeful that maybe those pieces will fall into place. And even players that we have now that maybe aren't seeing the field much or haven't shown us much as of yet, but will continue to blossom. I'm hoping maybe those star unit players will emerge because I feel like if you have one star player in each unit, secondary linebacker core defensive line makes everything more solid, you know, and it works on both sides of the football. And right now we've got Tyler Beatty and we got Harrison Mevis and, you know, Tyler Beatty as good as he was, we knew that he was not going to have himself a day, uh, against Georgia. And of course he didn't, I think he ended up with 41 yards, uh, rushing, which was second on the team to Tyler Macon. And then Harrison Mavis had his first miss of the day, yet he was responsible for the only points that Mizzou was able to put up. So Harrison Mavis was what, 66 for 66 at some point, maybe more than that. And, uh, ended up with one, one long miss, but, uh, you know, so even our stars weren't on against this vaunted Georgia team. I mean, Mizzou can has an opportunity to end the season well. Really, they really could um, restore a lot of confidence. I think if you could beat South Carolina and beat Florida, I think that would be that would give people all the confidence in the world. Honestly, you know, it really doesn't even have to be one. I mean, if you win two of your last three, essentially beat. Arkansas and South Carolina beat Florida and Arkansas beat Florida and South Carolina win two of your last three. I think that would make everybody feel great. 
Well, Colin, I think it's such an unrealistic prospect. The reality is that if we won two of the next three games, which seem like very winnable games for a normal football team, we're bowl eligible at that point. That would be a six-win season, and we're bowl eligible. And that just seems unfathomable at certain parts of the season. And and now, for me, I still feel it's... Well, it probably still is, but but part of the reason I feel like we could maybe do this, and and that is that the defense played better. And if the defense can play more like it did in the first half against Georgia, against teams like South Carolina and teams like Florida, I think we could have a chance. Now, if the, if the defense from the rest of the season essentially shows up and just turns into a fucking you know turnstile for running backs, then no. I mean, you can't win a football game without a defense. But the defense from this Saturday shows up, at least from the first half, shows up to these next two games or two of the next three games and there's definitely a chance we could end up doing it i'd settle for one at this point i mean just getting out of here with a five win season is good enough for me but you know i just don't see a win left on the schedule based on what we've seen so far but you're right i mean these are these are teams which give you openings to perform and will mizzou do it i don't know but Colin, why don't we take our first break on the day and get into what the listeners thought about this Tiger team on Saturday. And then we're going to go around the horn and we are going to take a look at this Florida, South Carolina, Arkansas team that they're our final opponents and they had interesting weeks. And so we've got a lot of football to cover. This is the Mazadcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Colin, it's time we check in on our Symbol account. I think we had $500 to play with. If you're a new listener, Symbol.app, you can go and bet on sports like a stock market transaction rather than your traditional betting the spreads. And uh, not only can you buy stock in a particular team and earn money when its stock rises, but you also get a win bonus for every time a team that you own stock for wins. Colin, how are we looking? Brennan, we're down a little. But not too much. We're officially down $6.96. Apologies. <laughs> but, Brendan, again, I'm playing the long game. I've invested in teams that I think are going to be winners in the future. I've bought them low, mm-hmm. expecting to be able to sell them high. Well, I know that's so, your long game with the Kansas stock you bought. Yeah, exactly. But the thing you get, like, there's basically two ways, modes to attack. You knew what I did and, and play the long game and invest in teams you think are up and coming and buy, while buying them cheap. Or you could just buy the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, the Houston Astros, and you can just try to make your bones on basically win bonuses. Yeah, that's uh, it's like a dividend for stock, I feel like, the win bonus, because I think I was looking, we have over $4 in win bonus money now, and when you consider the fact that we've invested 500 total, as time passes, eventually the wins will cover the cost of the investment totally, but you can get bigger wins than that if, like you say, you uh, you ride the wave of stock prices. 
Yep, we're going to be millionaires. <laughs> and if you want to be millionaires too, just get on symbol.app. It's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P. Use the promo code Mizzou, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, and you can also get a $500 sign-up bonus with your first deposit. That $500, you can't pull it out, but any money you make on it is yours to keep. So symbol.app. It's going to be sweet, man. We're going to all have Ferraris do cocaine. back, Colin. It's time to check out the old Mazadcast mailbag. I am interested in this one. I'm curious as to what the listeners thought after a solid beatdown, but signs of life from our Tigers. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Georgia pumping the ball. Who the fuck are these guys on defense? M-I-Z today, baby. <laughs> there you have it. Started out early by getting a three and out, right? We're defensive juggernauts. Uh, had to call in because we are currently beating the number one team in the country. And this could end up being aged really horribly, but Tyler Mankin looks pretty solid so far. I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, that's right. At one point, it was three to nothing Missouri, and we were the number one team in the land. I just want to know what the fuck Drinkless was thinking on that third possession we had on offense after making Les down the field to, to score. I mean, it wasn't a touchdown, but it was still a score on the, the best defense in the country, the best team in the country, and decided, no, that's exactly what we don't fucking need. Put in Cook. Let's uh, just not try to win this fucking game, even though making gives us the best chance right now. Yeah, don't fucking understand that at all. Well, I think he was just going to try both of them and give them both equal shots and see what they did. I mean, say Cook did well, then then it looks like a brilliant move. Hey, what's up, you fucking idiots? About uh, halfway through the second. Man, I don't know. I mean, I know they're getting dick stomped, but, I mean, fuck. I thought they'd be fucking 50 to nothing by now. Oh, well, there's still time. Go fuck yourselves. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Phil. Yeah, we've been out game 300 yards to 100 yards. We're down 23 at half. I feel like the effort is there, and I barely feel like Georgia is even trying. So oh, we have a long, 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 long way to go until we're competitive again. So, um, MIZ. <laughs> That's the good stuff. Sorry, guys. I wanted to add something to my last message. Aaron Rodgers drinks hobo cum by the gallon. Hobo cum. M-I-Z. <laughs> well, he doesn't drink it because he's it's a fetish. He drinks it because he thinks it cures COVID. <laughs> he's done his own research. Yeah, under the Queens Bro Bridge. <laughs> Dr. Karen Rogers. Wolf mob, wolf mob, wolf mob. Hey, what's up, you fucking idiot? So this one's out of hand. Colin, I was actually kind of pissed off I couldn't make it to the tailgate. Actually, I was really pissed off. But I know you're into, like, making swords and shit. I'm into flint napping myself, like, making arrowheads and shit. Pretty fun. I'm actually really pissed I couldn't ask you some fucking questions about the sword shit. But, yeah, 
That's what I'm doing right now. I'm making fucking arrowheads. Although I'm pissed off because I smashed my fucking thumb with my copper bopper. Yeah, I ain't too fucking happy. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Don't let this fucking game ruin it. Go fuck yourselves. Love you, bye. <laughs> Phil, never take edibles, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Well, Colin, when he was saying that uh, he makes flint arrowheads, I thought, well, nothing could be as archaic and anachronistic and unnecessary as your blacksmithing hobby. But then, uh-huh. then Phil comes along and says he's making flint arrowheads. And I think, well, <laughs> he showed me. <laughs> yep. Yep, if, if the world ever reverts back to, you know, 1786, we're going to be really, really, really in demand. Well, I think... Who will be laughing then, Brennan? Well, I mean, Phil's hobby dates back to the Bronze Age. <laughs> well, yeah, but, yeah, that's true. You're right. All right, guys, here we go. Here we go. That was all we needed. Jalen just got an interception late in the third. Let's fucking go. This game's ours. Throwing down 37. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> it should be noted that uh, we did beat the spread. We're now 1-8 and eight against the spread. Damn, Georgia. You're going to bend me over that hard. At least you could have bought me dinner first. But in all seriousness, with regards to quarterback, I, mean, I think we've seen now everyone ragging on Basilac. I mean, the, the backups aren't – they're not better options. I mean, and, and that's not to say that they won't be at some point in – in the future, hopefully next year, but you know, Cook, nice job, several good throws, no better than Basilac. Fine. Bacon had a little bit of trouble throwing. Great with fine. the legs. I mean, in that regard, he is better than Connor, but fine. on the whole, now we've seen why Drink has run Basilac out there kind of staunchly, and, and if Connor's healthy, I kind of hope it goes back to it. That's right. Bring yeah. I'm, I'm going to climb this mountain, I'm going to plant my flag and say something definitive. Mm-hmm. They both played fine. <laughs> That's right. I think they were fine. That call was fine. I think too. what he was saying in the long run, Brendan, is that even though Connor hasn't played his best ball yet, the backups just looked fine. <laughs> just fine. <laughs> Everything was fine. <laughs> well, it's uh, day 30 on Sunday morning and just checking scores around the horn and the SEC. And uh, I think we all expected uh, the score of the Georgia game, Georgia Mizzou game. Uh, but I'll tell you what, nothing makes my Sunday better than seeing Dan Mullen get a damn mud hole stomped in him by South Carolina. I mean, he got beat by a bunch of cocks. So, hey, have a great Sunday, M-I-Z. Yeah, that's right. It uh, as, as fun as it was to see, it didn't give me a lot of hope for knowing that we were playing the South Carolina squad that is now capable of crushing Florida. But it's all well worth it to see Dan Mullen uh, completely twisted in knots. Well, nothing to make me happier than for Mizzou to fire Dan Mullen. <laughs> Amen. Well, Colin, you might as well get into it now. It was an interesting game, and it was a game that I don't think anybody around the league saw coming. It was the Florida-South Carolina game. And why don't we just start up the uh, around the horn, and, and we'll get into that then. We. Waffle House, our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, if you'd boot up the Paul Fine bot. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. 
Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. All right, Colin. Should we jump right into that game we were discussing, the Florida versus South Carolina game, the late game for the day, but quite interesting. Uh, South Carolina was 4-4 four and four going into the matchup, as was Florida. It was at South Carolina, but I think everybody kind of expected South Carolina to get beat here. I'm sure they weren't favored. I don't even remember what the spread was, but the outcome was a shocker. 40-17, to 17, South Carolina. <laughs> Mullen yeah, got housed. Win. It housed. was a dominating win. Yeah, yeah, it was an absolute tub thumping, and the Gators didn't expect it. And for whatever, you know, Dan Mullen was in trouble before this game, and it just took all that sort of hot seat talk and elevated it to the next level. And then he even got a tiff with the band. I don't know if you saw this, Colin, but uh, Dan Mullen, I guess, has started this tradition, where, or there is a tradition in Florida where the, the team goes out and they sing with the band. They sing like the Florida fight song, Win or Lose. And they use, you know, this is usually a home game thing, but the Florida band traveled to South Carolina for this game. There's footage of oh. Dan Mullen walking out of the bus, band on either side of the door, playing the, the team out to the, to the locker room in the stadium. And after the game, Dan Mullen, being the colossal prick asshole that he is, pouted about it. And after they got, beat by 23 points and ran right in and ignored the band. And so the uh, press asked him about this because he'd made a big deal about, you know, singing with them win or lose. And he goes, Oh no, no, that's my mistake. Honestly, I didn't even know the band traveled out here today and then cut to uh, the footage of him just three and a half hours earlier surrounded. And, and a band member actually tweeted out. It's like, you got to respect the focus of coach Mullen, not noticing tubas and trombones blaring on either side of his ears before the football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's, that's a lot. That's a lot of focus. Yeah. I mean, making the band mad is not a big grievance, but it just speaks to the level of animosity happening right now in the Mullen camp that even the band members are piling on. I don't think I had realized just how unpopular he had become until I listened to like a national show. And, you know, they had one of the beat reporters that follows the Gators and they just, he basically just was like, oh, everybody hates him. The press hates him. The administration hates him. Pretty sure the players are giving up. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, things are not good in Florida. He is beloved. He is a likable person. <laughs> oh, Paul. Yeah, it's the opposite of that, as a matter of fact, Paul. Well, let's go check out some other scores because a lot did happen this weekend. It was, a, it was really a really good weekend for college football. There was a lot of good football to watch, uh, including the Tennessee versus Kentucky game in Lexington, number 18, Kentucky. Taking on the Volunteers, it was, I think, a one-point spread. It was supposed to be close. Tennessee ended up sneaking out a win, 45-42. to 42. I didn't know who I wanted to win this game, Colin. I I mean, obviously, if both teams could somehow lose, that would be the ideal situation. It's always good to see Tennessee lose, but uh, it's nice to see the air. I just schadenfreude. If we can't be good, why should Kentucky? Well, Brendan, I will say this. I, I don't know if I believe in Josh Heupel necessarily believe in him, but I do believe this. He's the best coaching hire they've made in like the last three or four. You know what I mean? Like he, I'm not saying he'll be necessarily successful overall, but he's already got this Tennessee team playing better than Jeremy Pruitt or Butch Jones ever did. And they really don't have a lot of talent, at least by Tennessee standards right now. So initially I was worried about Dan Mullen and he's fallen flat on his face and maybe Hypo will too, but Hypo is starting to go, oh, you know, maybe. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is Florida is about to go back into reset mode. Uh, with a new coach and Georgia's just a freight train anyway, but I didn't expect Tennessee to 
be a problem for a while. But Heupel's got them going the right direction. You're right about that. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case. It would be nice to um, be able to have our way with Tennessee again. We, those are some fun years. But uh, if we don't ride it, then it's not going to happen anytime soon because Tennessee certainly does seem to be heading in the right direction. Um, another close game that happened this week, Colin, was Arkansas took on Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State was ranked uh, number 17 somehow. They were uh, Mississippi State was on the road at Arkansas, and <laughs> Mike Leach, I don't know if you saw this after the game, Colin, put out an open call for kickers. Uh, it had to be an extra kick in the nuts for the scrawny Mississippi State kicker who absolutely boned an easy field goal, which would have tied the game up and sent this really good game into overtime. But two bonehead missed kicks. You feel bad for the guy, but yikes. It was brutal. It's, it's amazing to me that a Power 5 SEC football team can have no answers at kicker. I, I understand how... Liberty University or Valdosta State or something may have somebody who you, you know, really wouldn't want. But how does a SEC school not have a guy who can kick a fucking extra point? Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, we've had our years where that's touch and go. But well, even like when we had Baggett, who we lovingly named Baggett of shit. <laughs> right. Even Baggett wasn't really all that bad. He just wasn't. He was an average college kicker, you know what I mean? But he's better than what some of these teams are running out there for sure. And, you know, and then, like I said, we had our problems with Tucker McCann in the beginning, but he became a very serviceable kicker. And now we've got Mevis, who's, you know, is basically reaching some sort of folk hero status here in uh, Columbia. So maybe we've just been lucky with kickers, but I'm just like, how? Because we've never had a situation like I've seen Mike Leach have at least a couple of times. He had the same issue at texas tech and made the same call open call for kickers and ended up with a kid from the student body kicking on his team i don't know it the, by all rights arkansas should have at least gone into been taken into overtime in that game and if the kid had any ability to make a basic field goal mississippi state wins that game and uh, now they're sitting at five and four on the year and arkansas six and three it does stem, you know, I think it was three straight losses for Arkansas. They lose this one to Mississippi State, and then all of a sudden Sam Pittman maybe gets in some heat, you know, for the first time. Well, an, an interesting matchup of personalities took place in Oxford, Mississippi this week as Hugh Freeze returned, made his triumphant return to Oxford, and Ole Miss played Liberty. Ole Miss, number 16 in the country. Liberty was, I think, a nine-and-a-half-point dog in that one. Ole Miss scored early and often in the first half, had a 24 to nothing lead at halftime, coasted through the second half. It was an easy win for the Rebs, and Hugh Freeze goes back a loser, but he's always got his whores to keep his spirits up. <laughs> That's right. He sure does. If a dirty, dirty whore can't keep your spirits up, nothing can. You're right about that. <laughs> All right, Paul. Texas A&M. Hey, Brennan, before you go on, did you see that Liberty got all in their feelings about a tweet that uh, M Old Miss made? I did see that Old Miss had deleted a couple tweets and they were taking their digs at their former coach. But no, I didn't see that Liberty <laughs> yeah, was crying was about it. In his hospital bed, giving a thumbs up. <laughs> up <the> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it said, but I, but I just I just remember thinking, wow, Old Miss is a social media person woke up and chose violence. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing they had a talking to the next day after yeah. all that. <laughs> yeah, I, I 
they were great though. You know what I mean? Like I, I enjoy when the, these accounts, these official accounts sort of go at each other a little bit. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I have no sympathy for Hugh Freeze. I mean, it, in the, uh, pantheon of world-class fucking hypocrites, he is right up the top. So, you know, he deserves everything he gets. But, uh, so I mean, like it, it, it worked on every level for me. <laughs> I agree. Moving on, one of the games that was not a uh, a tight one in the SEC this week was Texas A&M versus Auburn. The game ended up 20-3, 14 Texas A&M took on 13 Auburn. But the way this game unfolded, it it was a much closer game than the final score would indicate. It was 6-3 to three entering the fourth quarter. It was a classic sort of SEC defensive battle in the old school way going into the fourth quarter, but uh, Texas A&M managed two late touchdowns to pull away. You know, their season, they're sitting at seven and two now, and we kind of looked at this Texas A&M team as vulnerable, but Auburn's very good. And Bo Nix has been incredible the last three or four weeks, and they had no answers for the Texas A&M defense. Yeah, Texas A&M's defensive line has got a couple of guys that are just out of this world. I, they're going to give a lot of people problems. I think what I saw and I watched a little of this game was that Auburn's a pretty good football team, but they don't have much of an offensive line. And then they, they just ran into an A&M team that has a very good defensive line. And just the deficits up front for Auburn ended up being very, very apparent once they went up against this kind of defense. But put it this way, they don't want any piece of Georgia. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're saying. Not a chance. Moving on to a game in which is normally one of the highlights of the season for the SEC – LSU versus Alabama. It was being played in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, a number two in the country. LSU clearly in disarray, having let go Ed Ogeron and having him be a lame duck through the rest of the season. It was expected to be a massive blowout, but it was not. Not sure about that. It turned out to be a damn good football game. I don't know if you saw any of this, Colin, but the final score was Alabama 20, LSU 14. Alabama. Yes, that's right, Paul. But LSU had their chances. Nick Saban. Okay, okay, Paul, I get it. I don't know. It seemed like Ed Ogeron, if there was one game he wanted to win before he was sent off into the sunset, it was this fucking game against Nick Saban and and almost pulled it off. But uh, Alabama does what Alabama does, and they just sort of grind you down, and eventually it was too much for LSU, and they, uh, they captured the win. That is, especially this year, that's what Alabama does because Alabama doesn't have the, the sort of, they're sort of their super defenses. They, I mean, not they're not really good on defense, but, and they, but they don't have a, they don't really have a really firm identity on defense or offense. I feel like they're just not sure about that. So they do. They just grind you down to powder. Like, you know, we're just going to be really good everywhere. And by the end of the fourth quarter, you're just going to be sick of it. But as far as being like dominant on one side of the ball or the other and just, just crushing people, they're not doing that. Not sure about that. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, you'd know better than me, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, we mentioned that Missouri lost 43-6 to to Georgia. And that takes us into next week's slate of games. And it's another full one. We're obviously going to play in South Carolina next week. But Florida and Arkansas are looming ahead. And it'll be interesting to see what they do. Arkansas will be playing that LSU team that gave Alabama all they wanted. Late 6.30 game on SEC Network. You would presume that Arkansas is going to win this one. They're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. But you never know about a team that has nothing left to play for like LSU. You know, they're they're a dangerous team. 
Yeah, Arkansas is definitely going to want to try to prove something, but I don't know. Arkansas goes as their quarterback does. If he's have, you know, he's sort of one of those guys that can use his feet and be creative, and that's why I, Arkansas still worries me against Mizzou. I just don't know if they're going to be able to handle that. God, I wouldn't want to bet this one, honestly. Well, it's in Death Valley. Could, if LSU wins by twenty, I would be shocked, and if LSU loses by three, I wouldn't be shocked. You know what I mean? Like it's just who knows. It's in Death Valley, and that I'm sure Arkansas would be favored by more. Were in Fayetteville, but uh, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, that's not and what I, I want to I mean, touch. they just came off of that Alabama game, and I know LSU gave them all they wanted. I just wonder if this isn't going to end up being the just the wins out of them, and they just, like you said, sort of said fuck it this season at this point. Speaking of fuck it for the season, Vanderbilt's playing football. Uh, they're hosting number 18, Kentucky. Kentucky looks to go 7-3 and three on the year. They're a 21-point favorite, and I have no reason to doubt that line. Yeah. Me either. Texas A&M sitting at number 14 in the country now, 7-2. and two. This is going to be one of the best games in the SEC slate. Number 14, Texas A&M versus number 16, Ole Miss. It's in Oxford. A&M is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. 7-2 uh, Ole Miss, 7-2 A&M. I don't know. I mean, you look at the wins Texas A&M has, namely against Alabama, and then this very impressive win against Auburn last week. It, it makes sense to me that A&M is favored even on the road. I'm, I wouldn't pick against A&M at this point. Just again, they got that defensive line that maybe on from you know end to end isn't as dominant as Georgia's, but they have some just superior talent, you know, in a couple of places. And it, I don't think Old Miss is ready for that. I'm not. I've never really been a true believer in Matt Corral. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I definitely go with A&M here. Well, I believe in Matt Corral, but I just don't know if he has enough. I still don't know if Ole Miss has the defense to stop Texas A&M is my concern. Moving on, Tennessee will be hosting number one Georgia. So it looks like Josh Heupel is going to go five and five this week. UGA is a 20 point favorite on the road. Here's the thing, Georgia, you look at their wins and of course they've been impressive throughout the season. But as we mentioned, their defense is what's carrying them through. They don't score tons and tons of points, but they're just methodical and they give you absolutely nothing. They choke your offense out. And I don't see any reason why Tennessee will be any different than every other team that's gone up against them this year. Mizzou sort of gave, uh, you know, Georgia some trouble for a couple series. I could see Hypel being creative enough with the offense to, you know, move the ball in the first half a little maybe and, and score some points, but wouldn't expect Tennessee to win at all. But I don't think Tennessee could maybe be able to score against them. I mean, it's not like nobody scores against them. <laughs> but nobody scored they don't score enough. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Georgia. Yeah, I think we all agree with that. Paul. Now, Colin, you remember a few years ago where Paul Feinbaum just absolutely roasted Mizzou for having some cupcake game late into the season. Am I Z? I do remember that. Well, Florida's playing Samford this weekend. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm uh, sure we'll hear all about it on the on the the Feinbaum show. Yeah, well, it's one of those games that they don't even put out a line for because it's such a laugher. It's the 11 o'clock start on ESPN Plus, so no one's watching that other than Gators fans and uh, Sanford and some. Auburn is going to be taking on Mississippi State. Auburn's five and four and st- somehow still ranked number 17 in the country. Auburn's number 13, sitting at six and three. 
It's in Auburn, Jordan-Harris Stadium, the early ESPN game. Auburn's a five-and-a-half-point favorite going in. I still like Auburn, too. I don't know why. I mean... Well, they have a kicker, you know what I mean? So they're up one point. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think Mississippi State's a flawed team. They're only five and four. This is a game that I might bet. I think Auburn can win, and they can win by more than a touchdown. But it's been a weird year. I mean, last year was the weirdest year, the COVID year, but... You know, like that Florida South Carolina game. It just makes you, it pulls the rug out from under you if you think you can bet on football. Paul, who, sure. Paul, who you got in this one? Auburn. Yeah, it's probably the safe bet. Okay. And then, uh, what did I say? Florida playing Samford this weekend. Alabama, yep. number two in the country, is facing one and eight New Mexico State. They are a really good football team. Oh, man. At home. So, yeah. You talk about a game that is not worth watching for anybody, and it is yeah. this Alabama game where they are favored by 51 and a half points over a lowly New Mexico state. Turn it off. Don't watch it. You should be fired. No, I, don't I, agree. I have zero interest in that, that game. Yeah. Oh, Paul, you silly Billy. I don't agree. Yeah, we know you don't. Yeah, it's a bullshit Alabama's going to go 9-1 and one on the year, and then that takes us, Colin, to our final game. And frankly, to me, obviously, one of the more interesting games. Missouri is hosting South Carolina. South Carolina sits at 5-4 and four after their big win over Florida. Missouri sits at 4-5. and five. Mizzou is a one-point favorite in this game, and that scares me. Yeah, I haven't watched much of South Carolina to know. I mean, I, th- what I've seen have been impressive, uh, but they did beat Florida. I don't know what that's worth right now. You know, because of that huge loss we had this weekend, I'm feeling optimistic for, you know, and so I just like, I feel like we could, you know, win this game, honestly. I hope that defense shows back up, you know, and it wasn't great defense, but it was, it was a defense that was giving some effort. It was a, the best defensive line play we'd seen all season. You know, if that team shows up, I think we have what it takes in offense to win the game. South Carolina is a tough one to figure. They're a team that, they beat Vanderbilt 21 to 20 a couple of weeks ago and they just beat Florida 40 to 17. So you fucking tell me, what is this team? You know what, Colin? I think we need to talk to Carolina Jackpot. I mean, this is his team. God bless him. I will say this. I think we do owe it, but I mean, we're going to talk trash on South Carolina because, you know, we, there's no reason for us not to. And even though I think there, you know, there hasn't been much of a rivalry for a few years, but I'll say this about Carolina Jackpot. He listens to our show. But he is a South Carolina fan, and so we greatly appreciate that. And it was a huge win for the program. So congratulations. We hope you drank a lot and celebrated that win over Florida because you deserve it, buddy. And uh, I hope you are sad this weekend, I guess. Yeah, that's a very uh, that's very sweet of you, Brennan. Thanks. <laughs> but that's it. That's the slate of games for uh, for this week late into the college football season. So if, if next week's anything like this week was, I'm going to be glued to the TV all fucking day long. Pivoting from football, why don't we get into some news? You know, obviously we're a serious program and we cover the news as well as sports. It's time for Kansas news. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. first story of the day. Woman seriously injured when car hits cow in southeast Kansas. I think the shocking part of this story, Colin, is that uh, someone owned a car. <laughs> yep. 
A woman was seriously injured Sunday evening when the car she was driving hit a cow in southeast Kansas. Authorities said the crash was reported at 6.15 Sunday on Highway 54, about a mile northeast of Uniontown, Kansas. According to the Kansas Highway Patrol, a 2009 Cadillac DTS was traveling east on US 54 when it struck a black cow that was in the roadway. The passenger of the Cadillac, identified as Una Blythe, age 28 of Uniontown, was transported to the University of Kansas Hospital with serious injuries. She was wearing her seatbelt. Uh, I'm glad the cow was black. I was starting to worry that this lady had just not seen a 2,000 pound animal in the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like they're deer and they bound out in front of you. I mean, this kid, I mean, this cow was probably um, meandering would be the word, I guess, yeah. at best. But, you know, I'm hoping it was at night and the cow was black because yeah. if not, holy cow. Yeah, literally. Well, no pun intended. <laughs> Colin and I grew up on a cattle farm, so we kind of know the movements of cattle and they're not spry. <laughs> not, not often. No, <laughs> not often. <laughs> and I think it does beg the question. Obviously, we get a lot of poor journalism out of Kansas. No report on the condition of the cow. Uh, I think we can assume, I think a 2009 Cadillac DTS, that's going to kill a cow, you know, if you get it good and solid. Mm -hmm. And being as it is Kansas, and that, I mean, you talk about roadkill extravaganza. I mean, they're used to raccoon meat, you know, they're used to prairie dog meat. And here they oh, get brilliant. beef for the first time in their life. Yeah. Carnival. Yeah, it's yeah, a big day in Kansas. Union oh Town's shutting God. things down. Save the neck for me, Maul. <laughs> Autopsy huckster without Kansas medical credentials, guilty of six offenses. Colin, I bring this up because this is an old friend of the show, and sometimes we do I think this. On this story, well, we we've done similar stories about the same individual, but there is a guy in Kansas who continues to do fake autopsies in a way he's not licensed. He's a he's an amateur <laughs> mortician. Essentially, is what we're dealing with. Yeah, this is where you need to do that little. Uh, remember music and go back to the first story where we talk about the autopsies and i think the the joke was is they were named so oddly anyway yeah <laughs> well the autopsy huckster who posed as an expert to examine the body of michael brown who was killed by by a police officer in ferguson missouri has been found guilty of three counts of felony theft and three misdemeanor counts of criminal desecration in Kansas. How did he end up in the Ferguson deal? Dear Lord, somebody check a resume once in a while. Sean Parcells, who lived in Topeka and Leewood, was convicted by a jury of illegally obtaining money from the county for performing autopsies on three bodies. He also was deemed guilty of violating state law by performing autopsies without a pathologist present in 2014. This is crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you think about like what we, if you uh, look at uh, what the job requirements are and most of those like job websites they're like we'd like you to you know have a you know this a college degree and like in you know five years experience in the business or got to know all these excel got to know this i mean it's really extensive but to be a, a, a guy who gives autopsies in kansas you can basically just show up with a, a note that says i'm a guy who does autopsies yeah, and a knife <laughs> yeah so i brought my own scalpel <laughs> show me the body please <laughs> And they just point, get in there and really impress out of the yeah. gate and be like, this is the head. Yeah, they're like, we need to take a look at the heart. Well, I'd love to show you, but we have no idea of knowing where the heart is. See, it's <laughs> different in everyone. <laughs> That's right. Science is whatever we think it is. Well, mom. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Medicine is not a science. <laughs> So, but yeah, he, he, but you know, like I said, you got you got to have a master's degree to make fifteen dollars an hour. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't even hire him to cut up a roadkill cow, 
much less human bodies. The court has banned Parcells from performing autopsies until resolution of civil litigation. What do you mean until the civil litigation? I mean, the guy's not licensed to do autopsies full stop. Why why are you (laughs) temporarily (laughs) postponing this, Kansas? (laughs) Oh, God. I just... I. I love it how committed this guy is to seeing dead people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he knows it's illegal. He's been caught several times. They wish he would stop. But he's like, nope, I have got a passion and it's seen dead bodies. Well, I think we all know he's having sex with the bodies. That <laughs> it goes without saying. As, uh, well, I mean, it's not reported in any of the stories we've read, Brennan, but I feel like it, like you said, it goes without saying. We all know what the uh, motive here is and that is obviously sex with corpses well I, I think because it's in kansas that's why it's not reported is that it's only newsworthy if you don't have sex with the body <laughs> yeah they're like well of course he's having sex with them yeah the problem is he shouldn't be giving autopsies <laughs> yeah. police say kansas man arrested in minnesota after offering Xbox for sex. Okay, well, I think we know where this one's going, Colin. He's not offering Xboxes to 50-year-old women. Oh, boy. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I, did, that, I did, didn't immediately think of that from the headline, but... Uh, yeah, I think you yeah, need to connect those dots. <laughs> uh, a 31-year-old Kansas man has been arrested in Minnesota for offering to exchange his Xbox for sex with what he thought was a 15-year-old girl. William Yikes. James Kaufman Jr. of Burns, Kansas, was arrested Monday. According to a criminal complaint, Kaufman responded to a global message left by an undercover detective on a smartphone app, Whisper, on Halloween. In the message, the detective posed as a 15-year-old girl. During conversations between Kaufman and the detective, Kaufman allegedly sent pictures of his face, and you guessed it, genitals. The complaint states that Kaufman offered his Xbox if the teen came to his hotel and had sex with him. So, golly, golly, golly. I mean, just can you imagine being the detective and this is your job? You've got to, because the texts are coming in at night, so you're like feeding your kids, you're watching the Big Bang Theory or whatever a fucking Kansas or Minnesota cop does at night, and phone goes off, and it's this guy trying to fuck a teenager, and and you've got to pretend to be said teenager and just get into the spirit of this conversation, you know? I just, I feel like, uh, I don't want to give, you know, like pedophiles any tips. Uh, necessarily, that seems like a bad thing to do. Yeah, good idea. But there's never, I, there's never been a 15 year old girl who has gone to a message board to solicit intercourse with a creepy old guy. It doesn't happen. <laughs> the very fact that you guys could get duped by this guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's well, I'm sure. Like, if this cop is probably, you know, he's a 40 year old dude. He's probably like, yeah. So you should come over and we'll get jiggy with it. You know, what <laughs> he mean? puts like, up references that no. Like, <laughs> you know, if they just pay any attention to language, you know what I mean? Like, well, this guy should have been suspicious when it was a World War II blog, you know. Yeah. Not a lot of <laughs> teens are into that. It was 8chan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, officers yeah, arrested him after he drove into the hotel parking lot. He's charged with disseminating harmful materials to minors, a gross misdemeanor, and an indecent exposure. Also, only a misdemeanor. Colin, again, this journalism falls short. The question I have is when they arrested him in the parking lot of the hotel, did he have an Xbox on him? Because at least the guy would be good to his word. Yeah, no kidding. It's one thing to be a dirty, dirty Kansas pedophile. It's another to be a dirty liar. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a real, that guy's a real jerk. The, uh, <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, is like, yeah, I'll tell you how bad this guy is getting laid. He's offering 15 year old girls Xboxes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like 15 year old boys. Yes. Tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? 
Like, that's probably best you could do. <laughs> For sure. All right. I have no easy bake ovens laying around. <laughs> Again, a great timely <laughs> reference. <laughs> And our final story for the day, Colin. The uh, University of Kansas Fighting Jayhawks were at it again. This time they stayed in state and they were hosting Kansas State, their uh, hated rivals. Kansas State was five and three. Kansas was one and seven going into this matchup. And uh, it didn't turn out so good for your Jayhawks. I know this is bad for your stock, Colin, but Kansas State Wildcats had their way on the day 35 to 10. Kansas uh, scored a touchdown this weekend, better than Mizzou managed, but uh, the caliber of competition, a little different. Yeah, the guys at Symbol actually told me that there's only been one share of Kansas football stock sold, and we bought once, so I guess we own the only share. Well, that's that sounds right. Everybody else has said, of course I wouldn't buy. That's the worst stock in the world. <laughs> so unfortunately, Kansas has got three more games left on their schedule. I'm sure they'd like to shut it down right now, but uh, no such luck. Well, Colin, that takes us to the final segment we have on the show. It's time to give out some awards. Do you have a candidate for Douche of the Week, Colin? Uh, well, hold on. You know what? TJ like, Moe, Douche of the Week. <laughs> Don't let me shortchange yeah, TJ. Let's, yeah, that's right. He's earned this. Douche of the Week. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get into the uh, the politics of getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated, but lying about getting vaccinated is objectively bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to dominate Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like. Wherever you land on the whole vaccination thing, you know, I mean, whatever. But I feel like lying to your fan, your, your everyone around you, the organization. Now, he claims his teammates, everybody knew, but I don't know, and lying to the press. And I just lying to everyone about your vaccination status just seems like a really douchey thing to do. Well, it's I mean, the biggest be a pussy way to handle ivermectin loving anti vaxxer. Good, you good on you. You do you, but at least be honest about it. Well, I've never, never, and I don't want to get into politics either, but I simply cannot understand or wrap my head around the logic of calling other people sheep while at the same time taking livestock medicine. That has been always tough for me to swallow. <laughs> yeah. Well, while tr- treating the words of a podcast host as gospel. <laughs> um, and, and meanwhile, calling and calling other people sheep, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But like I said, I that that just seems a line about it. Just seems so douchey. Yeah. Well, as a podcast host myself, Kyrie I know. Urban's like, yeah, I'm not vaccinated. Eat shit. <laughs> as a podcast host myself, Colin, I uh, I know that we should not be trusted. None of us. No. Good lord. That, well, that's certainly that's ultimately the point. Is like you shouldn't take our life advice any more than you should Joe Rogan's or vice versa. Well, I think we mentioned this way before the Aaron Rodgers controversy that he's now embroiled in. If you know anything about football, if you know anything about the personalities surrounding football, and if you're not a Packers fan, everybody knew that Aaron Rodgers is kind of a, a world-class horse's ass. You know, he's unlikable. Yeah, yeah. He He's basically become everything that he Brett Favre was to him. You know what I mean? Like the, sort of the cold, you know, standoffish douche. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too far. I feel like I, the lie is the douchey thing. And that's part of the thing is like everybody wants to assign some politics to it. They're against Aaron Rodgers because they're for vaccinations or they're for him because they, they hate him. I'm like, I, I want to take that part out of it completely, uh, whether you're for or against or you're, what political spectrum you are. It's just not smart to lie. It, it's a fucking dick move. Well, and I also will say I, I got my booster today and it, it didn't hurt Aaron Rodgers. Fucking pussy. Well, but you are going to be sterile now. <laughs> That's true. But uh, I've been doing the entire show with a spoon stuck to the side of my arm. I know, Brennan. I was about to ask. 
Yeah. Magnets. If you ask me, it's a superpower and I like it, you know, like there's no downside. Yeah, right. There's no downside to having a magnetic arm now. I mean, if I want to delete anything Personally, off my phone. The fact that Bill Gates wants to know where I'm at all the time is flattering. <laughs> I think so. And, you know, sometimes I want him to know I'm getting ice cream. You know what I mean? Like I'm out getting ice cream. Well, and- you're eating an ice cream. You're thinking, I hope Bill's watching. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I've got a really good Sunday. Don't know where to put my money clip. Just attach it to my arm sticks right there. It's really quite (laughs) handy. And like I said, I know I feel like these anti-vaxxers are looking at this all the wrong way. Yeah. And if you want to delete your phone really quick, just rub it on your side of your arm. Info gone. You know what I mean? You know, ends identity theft. There's a lot of pluses to it. So, yeah, I think uh, TJ Moe, welcome Aaron Rodgers to the club. He's a douche. Douche of the week. This is a tougher one, Colin. Who are you going to name the uh, Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game Award? Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Oh, boy. You know, we scored six Ooh. points and looked like dog shit. We got beat by 37. We covered the spread, but who's it going to be? Who impressed you in this Audi? God, Brandon, I don't even know. That's a fuck. Colin, I know it's uh, it's kind of a cop-out, but I kind of want to give Harrison Mavis the award simply because he's the only person who produced points for our team. And he's just been such a mainstay, and I think we're reluctant to usually give him the award because he is a kicker. But in a game like this, which, you know, there's, the outcome was never in doubt, he deserves a trophy. Sure. So, we scored six points. He scored all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there you go. Harrison Mevis. Player of the game. Well, we've got South Carolina coming up. I, uh, I I refuse to get optimistic about any game, and that helps knowing that South Carolina just put a thumping on Florida. Look, if they beat Vanderbilt by one point, we at least managed <laughs> to beat them by more than a touchdown. So it is theoretically possible for us to win this game, and I am going to watch it and hope for that outcome. But I am also very well aware of all the problems this team has this season. And so I don't know where to land on it. I don't want to bet it. I am i don't trust the spread and the fact that Mizzou's favored by a point. It, it means nothing to me. Yeah. Again, like I said, you said it all season. You can't win without a defense. We haven't had one. I think anybody that watched this game that probably has a little more optimism for the defense. So, you know, that's what it's all about. It's, is are we gonna are we gonna play D? Because I think you know there's nothing about South Carolina that's inter- incredibly scary. You know I think we're pretty similar teams ultimately. And yeah. I, I'd like to think Mizzou's a better team, but you know that's hard to say about Mizzou against almost anybody right now. So I don't know. I wouldn't want to bet it either. If I have any confidence at all, just because the defense looked a little better. And against a team, a better team than South Carolina this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, we have been tested. Certainly played uh, the. The best team in the land, and we survived to fight another day. So here's hoping for next week, Colin. M-I-Z. G-O-U. He's a fucking turd. Genitals.